This is Gene Mims on the 204060 podcast, welcoming you. I guess today we've got the 205040 podcast because our special guest is a, a friend of Jeff and mine's. I guess I've known Randy 20 years or more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Randy Davis, the uh, uh, just a, really a good friend of ours and uh, transitioned in his life several times. But uh, he's with the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board as executive director, doing an outstanding job. And uh, Randy uh, has had such an impact on our family. Uh, Jeff, uh, you you want to talk about your interning with him? Yeah, so I got to uh, First Baptist Morristown through uh, one of our producers that's sitting in the room with us today, Bill Seaver. And uh, he brought me to Morristown in my freshman year of college and said, uh, hey, you need to check out this church. And we found our way to Bill and Carolyn Seal's Sunday school class and Brother Randy's preaching. And uh, the next year, I had the opportunity to serve with him in an internship, and it was just great. So he actually is the the one who licensed and ordained me to the ministry. Yeah, I'm looking at his, your uh, ordination certificate. His signature's there. Uh, right up there. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, uh, Randy, welcome. We we appreciate you coming by, dropping by. We know uh, you're very busy. But no, uh, thank you. This is an honor and a joy to be with you guys and to participate in this podcast. is just a real treat. Thank you. You've just uh, you guys just finished a building finally, huh? Yes, and, sir. Uh, uh, just Saturday you uh, got into that building, and uh, that in and of itself is a transition because you've gone from a kind of a mega building uh, in Brentwood uh, to something more functional, more that more fits your needs. I know you got a lot of people out in the field. It used to be that you came to the building for conferencing and whatever, but uh, uh, I know you you you've been. Uh, very busy. Uh, Randy w- was a pastor for years. In fact, he pastored in Van Cleve, Mississippi, which is so close to where yours truly was born in Moss Point, Mississippi. <laughs> and I think the Moss Point Clinic where I was born is now an old folks home. So I'm going to go back there. I was born there. I'm going to die there. Maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll just go back there. But from Van Cleve, uh, you, you're in New Orleans Seminary, but from Van Cleve, you came to Tennessee. Yes, sir. Is that right? In Morristown? Right. Yeah. And how many years were you there? We were at Morristown yeah, yeah, nine give years. Us our, give us your story. There yeah, we were. Uh, I had a college pastor in Leakesville, Mississippi. I went to William Carey College in Hattiesburg and uh, really had pitched my tent to go to seminary at Golden Gate mm-hmm. uh, or to Mid-America. I wanted to go to one of those two schools, one, a brand-new seminary, Mid-America, uh, with an extremely conservative, good, rock-solid base, or I wanted to get out of the Bible Belt and head mm-hmm. out to California. But uh, the summer after I graduated from college, this church started dealing with me on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and um, we were with them for 13 years. And so by Mm. default, I went to New Orleans, and I'm very glad I went to New Orleans. It was a real fit for me as far as a seminary, but the church and I grew up together. I was 23 Mm. when I went there to pastor, 35 when I left uh, going on 36, and I came to Morristown, and I remember saying about two years before I left Van Cleve, you'll never catch me pastoring a downtown county seat, First Baptist <laughs> Church, across the street from the courthouse. And the day I was unpacking my library, I looked out the window across the street from the Hamblin County courthouse. <laughs> That's right. And uh, But we saw God do some incredible things in the nine years we were at Morristown. Mm. They came off a 25-year plateau, um, 
we had a Sunday using not using any outside consultants where we cast a vision for a building program we were in. Uh, the cost of the building program was going to be $3.8 million. On one Sunday, there was an offering of $1,030,000. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, the very first of that offering went to missions and then the budget and then the building. And over a three-year period, those folks oversubscribed what they had committed. Mm-hmm. And they had committed 3.7, and they gave like 4.2 or $3 million. And uh, we saw ministry started beyond the walls of the church. The worship just was very alive, and uh, it was a good ministry. And then God led us to... In um, 2001, we started just a couple of weeks before 9-11 at First Baptist Church, Sevierville. Mm-hmm. And people know Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg for their tourism, but what they don't know is that uh, Sevier County really is uh, a mountain community, and there's a lot of need there, and there's a lot of hurt there. Some of the greatest people in the world are East Tennessee people. And we were there for nine years, and again, we saw a church just explode with a mission mentality and uh, in their own community and around the globe, and that was a fun, fun uh, almost decade there. Well, you, if I'm not mistaken, you found yourself in another downtown church across from another courthouse in Sevierville. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, couple right, of block, right. A couple of blocks away, but even though they were only 50, 60 miles apart, they were radically different. More, what, what were some of those differences that you experienced? Morristown was the economic and medical hub to about six or eight counties around it. Mm. Uh, they were the uh, second largest manufacturer of furniture in North America, second to High Point, North Carolina. So there was a lot of industry there. It was a very white-collar, um, mm. very white-collar church. Not all white-collar. Right. They had a good mixture. But in Sevierville, Sevierville was kind of a blend between the pastorate in, in Van Cleve and mm-hmm. the pastorate in Morristown. Uh, it was a very uh, blended kind of uh, economic base, a blended kind of background that people came from. There was a lot of people that did not that grew up outside the South mm-hmm. that decided to retire in that area or move to that area for their families. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a greater uh, transition for you and your family than having uh, 13 years on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and then landing in Morristown, Tennessee, on the, in East Tennessee. Uh, having experienced it a little bit myself, uh, what, what, what were some of the, uh, I, I guess I'd call it ministry cultural shocks. I, and and that, that didn't, I'm not being funny here. Uh, there's just a even in Mississippi, there's a radical difference between the Gulf Coast and Jackson or North Mississippi, which is or the Delta. The, you know, every area is different, mm-hmm. but the Gulf Coast of Mississippi uh, and and East Tennessee are just are are just in, in terms of ministry and getting your hand, hands and head around that. That had to be that had to be quite different. Well, they were very very different. Um, When we were on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, uh, so many of them worked in the refineries or worked in the shipyards, and uh, it it was a different type of mentality. Again, some of the greatest, most generous people in the world. Uh, They walked with me from 23 to 35, and they were patient with me 
as I grew with them, and we experienced really good growth there. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody from the old Sunday school board came down to interview me and asked me about uh, why there was so much good growth. Because we went from about 69 the first year in average Sunday school to about 350, 400. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell him why. Mm. Um, I had nothing for him to help him with the article he was writing. But it was just a very much a God thing. And then we moved to Morristown, downtown county seat, First Baptist Church. A lot of doctors, a lot of lawyers, and just a culture that Jeannie and I were not used to at all. But what we found was were that, you know, people want to be loved. They want to be lovingly led. It uh, doesn't matter where they come from. Um, people have hurt, no matter what their background is, no matter what color collar they wear, no matter what their vocation is. And we just made up our minds. Two things delivered us because at 35, going to pastor that church, I was one of the youngest pastors that had in their 200-year history at 35. And uh, what I remember it like was yesterday sitting in that office talking to another gentleman that I just admired so much. I said, Randy, you've got to be Randy. Mm. You know, I can't be anybody else. Uh, I can't morph into something I'm not. I've got to be myself, whether it's in the pulpit or whether it's out of the pulpit, uh, no matter where I am and walking with these people, you've got to walk slowly with them. And they've got to learn that you really do love them and care about them. And if they know you love them and care about them, they're going to follow you. They're going to listen to you. They're going to hear your heart. And uh, that's what we saw happen. And um, one of the things that I'm thankful for in the four churches I've pastored is that we have deep, deep friendships in all four, in all four churches. A matter of fact, over the next five days we will be with people that are related to three out of the four of those mm-hmm. churches Wow! because we want to hang out together. So it was, a, it was a cultural shift, and I think we need to be all things to all people that we might win some, like Paul said, but I also think you've got to be true to yourself, true to your convictions, and true to who God made you to be in that process. I yeah. think that's very important. If you were, if you were uh, and I know you do all the time, I think the older we get we all do, if you were talking to a guy that was, uh, say, 25, 35 years old, and you knew he was going to be on a path because most peace preachers are on a path. They don't go somewhere at 25 and stay till they're 70. Uh, on that path, uh, obviously you want to be yourself, but what would you tell him about uh, getting prepared for uh, any transition, whether it's a church in transition? That's, to me, that's the hardest uh, you know, I'm in a church, and we're going to transition the church. Versus, I'm going to transition by going to another church. What What are some of the things besides that? Being yourself, and I think a lot of guys don't quite know who that is. What would you tell him about about transitioning, either themselves or a church? Well, I would I would say first of all, don't go into it with preconceived ideas of mm. what you think it ought to transition to. Uh, there has to be a great deal of time in a prayer closet. There has to be a lot of time with the Lord because you cannot do this. No transition in life can be handled on the basis of our 
mere giftedness and talents. Mm. There has to be a convictional calling from the Lord and a compelling reason for the transition to take place. And then the second thing I would do is tell them to take your time. Wait on the Lord to open up the doors that will lead to the transition that you can walk through. Sometimes it's necessary to to um, do things with some urgency that need to be done, uh, but I would pick those moments very carefully. Mm. And um, you got to be willing to risk if you're going to do transition. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to be willing to die um, ministerially, emotionally. You've got to be willing to lay yourself aside and the transition that you think needs to take place. The compelling reason has got to be um, impactful for eternity's sake, not mm-hmm. for the sake of change. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes uh, that, that's obviously great points. I think sometimes uh, if when you're young in the ministry, you think I'm going to plan out something here. I've got this vision. Now, nobody else has it, but I have it, you know, and and uh, I'm going to lead my church this way. And what I, I really want people to do is buy into what I've already concluded. And what I found, what I found is that generally you have a vision, but it's only God's vision that counts. And 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 you're nearly always surprised at the, at the outcome. So you start off on this track saying, I think we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you end up doing A, B, and C. Of course, A, B, and C is so much better but uh, I think a lot of mistakes are made when guys, uh, pastors, uh, have a vision of what they want. They ev- e- even can gather a staff around that vision, and nobody else really knows it or might appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. And so there's tension there when you're trying to get people to buy in. And I, I know I've heard a lot of folks talking about, well, this has been really tough, and it's us versus them and whatever. Well, I just never wanted that. I, I never mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of that. I uh, Us versus them, you don't win. No. You You'll never win. Well, them's going to win most That's of right. the time. <laughs> they were there before you got there, and they'll be there after you're gone. You I think know? one of the things that we miss a great deal, I know I missed it. Uh, I had a vision that I felt was of the Lord. I had prayed through it. I had articulated it. I had charts, graphs, diagrams, scriptures. And we were on a deacon's retreat with the wives, and there was a room full of people. And I was so um, enthralled and passionate about this vision. I was up nearly the entire night before Hmm. and uh, got out to make my presentation, made the presentation with all the bells and whistles, clearly articulated the vision about why and where I thought we needed to go. And uh, there was no reaction. Hmm. There was no anger. They didn't reject it but there was no thunderous applause of acceptance (laughs) of the vision that I thought there should be. And I talked to one of our old mutual friends, Bob Sorrell, about it afterwards. And Bob said, Randy, did you tell him the cost? Hmm. And I did not Hmm. count the cost, Hmm. literally or figuratively. And uh, after that jailed for a while and we started talking about the cost, it was two years later, one of the sweet laymen came up to me and he said, you know, preacher, I've been thinking, what do you think of this idea? And exactly what I laid out two years before. (laughs) Now, that's a great idea. Now, everything I had dreamed came to pass. Mm -hmm. 
but it was in the Lord's timing, and I made a fundamental mistake. You, know, you must lay out the, the the benefit, the blessing, what's going what the results are expected, but also what is it going to cost in in time and energy and resources to accomplish what you lay out before them. Wow, that's a that is a great uh, great word. Um, Tell folks if they don't know who Bob Sorrell is, you need to introduce Bob Sorrell's his dear, name. dear friend. In fact, I saw him not long ago at Roland Maddox's uh, 80th birthday party. But uh, a lot of folks listening know Roland Maddox. But uh, Bob Sorrell for many years uh, was in industry, and then he was with uh, his executive pastor Bellevue Baptist with Adrian Rogers, and just a man of great wisdom, mm-hmm. a guy that I've probably like you, I've you know talked to and been around and picked his brain and. Uh, just tried to have lunch or dinner with him whenever I was uh, at a convention or something just for the same reason and uh, found out that his wisdom uh, was always helpful uh, helpful in that. I think that vision thing is uh, everybody wants to be a leader and everybody supposedly has a vision, but not many churches seem to catch that vision. I think I think you might have put your finger on the pulse of something. I know Jeff's going through this right now. He We're in a transition, obviously as co-pastors, but uh, uh, how do you feel like you're doing uh, in terms of the, the visioning that you're doing? You've been meeting with Ooh. folks. and Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, a little bit kind of like what Brother Randy was just kind of describing, that two steps forward, one step back. The staff and I have been working really hard in in those, in those vision meetings. Uh, we've been using the book uh, from Will Mancini, Church Unique. It's been great to help us kind of get our minds around it and but uh, interestingly enough, a friend of mine who has walked this path before me mentioned that in Mancini's book, he doesn't really lay out bringing in people to hear your vision as you go along instead of just the vision dump at the end. And so that's one thing the staff and I have done is we've had meetings before it goes out to the entire church to say, are we building a bridge to nowhere? Or is this does this resonate with you guys? And so it's been... It it I I will say that for me it is the most taxing thing that I have ever endeavored to get my own little mind around you know and I know our staff feels the same way as we look at it the 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 problem sometimes is that every option's on the table you could you could pretty much say we're a healthy church we could almost do whatever we want that makes it difficult you know where sometimes in my first church you know visioning was pretty simple because. There was no money, so you you couldn't dream up anything. You know, I mean, there was there were limited there were limited avenues to approach, so you kind of had to just pick one or two. There weren't, you know, there was no we're going to change the world. You know, but there were thirty of us. You know, I mean, it was it was a start. So, I'm I'm curious as as you went through some of the transitions that you've been through, what you might say, and I know you and I've talked a little bit about this, about the decisions when you say no to a church. And when you say yes, and I know as you transitioned from Morristown to Sevierville, that was a tough transition. And then, again, from pastoring to executive leadership at the TBC or Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, excuse me, that those those things weren't just always as clear-cut as we'd like them to be. And you were saying no to some things and then saying yes to some things. What were some of those times where you you just kind of felt like you knew where the Lord was saying, hey, this isn't it, you know, and you, you were at peace to say no and then kind of how you worked through the struggle of the two transitions you made, like from Morristown to Sevierville, or, and then Sevierville to the uh, Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Boy, I tell you, anybody that was uh, anybody that was close 
in proximity when the change was made from Morristown to Sevierville, when God had called me to Sevierville, they, they know the struggle I had personally. They know how difficult it was to find the Lord's will. I even got a deadline of uh, Memorial Day weekend that Sunday morning, and uh, I hadn't heard from him on a clear word from him. Should I stay in Morristown? Should I go in Sevierville? I thought he was on a different time zone than I was, and he just mm-hmm. didn't quite understand my request. And uh, I was up almost all night trying to hear from him. And finally, uh, I made the statement, and folks in Morristown remember this. I got up on that Sunday morning, and, and because of the close proximity of the church and sharing so many people knew each other in the two communities, Morristown knew that Sevierville was dealing with me. Mm. And I got up in Morristown that day, and I said, folks, I have not heard from the Lord, so I'm going to be the pastor at Morristown. And there was a lot of affirmation in that moment. I went out of the pulpit after that announcement at the end of the service into a hallway where nobody was and wept Hmm. uh, because I knew I still didn't have a clear word from the Lord. That afternoon, I went home, and I took a nap. I got up. My wife and I went to visit a lady that uh, was suffering with cancer. And something she had said pricked my heart. Mm. And I went home that afternoon, and the Lord said, Randy, now that I have you in the position of realizing it's not about a place, Mm. it's about me, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Wow. So the next Sunday, I had to announce to the same people I was going in view of a call to Sevierville. Mm. Uh, that was a struggle, and yet God affirmed time after time after time that was his will. Oddly enough, um, and, I, and I, I love what God's doing right now and the challenges we're facing, the position that he's allowed me to work with so many good people at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. He's allowed me to preach in about 500 churches across our state in the last seven years, almost seven one of the very first ones was Judson. Yeah. Thank you, Brother Gene, for that privilege in 2010. Um, but it was one of the clearest calls I've ever had in my life. Hmm. And it was something that was not on my radar. I wanted to wash the feet of denominational workers, of, of missionaries. Uh, I had no desire to be one. I wanted to be a pastor for 50 years. And I made 34 of those 50. But it was a clear call. But it wasn't, but it was not only the clear call in that transition that was important and vitally important. It was a compelling reason. Now we not we don't always have to know the reason. Uh, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. God's sovereign over our lives. He doesn't have to inform us. Abraham left not knowing where he is going. Mm. Well, I wanted a compelling reason, and it was weeks after I was in this position working with the uh, Tennessee Baptist Convention that that I it dawned on me for the first time after I immersed myself in studying Tennessee that Tennessee is a lost state. Yeah. We are a mission field. It is it is being the buckle of the Bible belt is a long time ago. Yeah. We are on the verge of becoming like New England. We're on the verge of becoming like Western Europe. There are some healthy churches around. Uh, There are great churches all around. But the gap between those that know the Lord and those that do not know the Lord in Tennessee and in the Deep South is rapidly growing wider. 
So that, that, that you know, we are a, a mission field, which leads me to say about this transition thing, the one of the best ways to get a church to accept and adopt that they need to transition is to somehow lead them to look out the window instead of the mirror. I think it was in the mm-hmm. in a book that's several years old now, Outgrowing the Ingrown Church, is that most of our churches spend too much time looking in the mirror at themselves instead of out the windows at the field all around them mm-hmm. and the needs. And if you can hook a church into seeing one particular need and start meeting that need for the sake of the gospel, um, then you've got a victory, and you can build off of that victory and off of that win. I do think that uh, churches uh, in the South and uh, in our area have lost that identity, that uh, you know we're trying to survive, we're trying to be relevant, we're trying to we're going to transition to whatever, and they work on all the stuff inside the walls of their church. We're going to, you know, change the worship. We're going to change the programming or whatever else. Well, you're changing programs for programs and worship for worship, and still nobody got saved, you know. And yeah. uh, I, I've said, I said when I, I, I like you, I served the denomination for 13 years, and when I came back to pastor, <clears throat> excuse me, I was absolutely stunned at the change. Uh, in churches and the change in culture when I came back Uh, because I was like you. I was going all around and preaching and uh, thought I knew something. But when I started pastoring again, I realized that our church, like so many other churches, had lost a gospel identity, had lost a a lifeline identity to the Lord. Uh, And, you know, what everybody was talking about were those things that were cosmetic uh, we, we don't do Sunday school anymore. We do, you know, small groups at home, but they're still groups. I mean, you're, but nobody, nobody's getting, not only our lives not being transformed, but nobody's getting saved. And I remember at the time meeting with a, somebody, uh, at then the TBC and, uh, he, he was our church planter, uh, guy, uh, he's moved on now, but we were just talking about this and I said, look, I, I don't know anything about this, but we, we need a thousand new churches in Nashville tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, we, we're not even close. Uh, I, I mean, I was alarmed at, at, at what was going on. And I just said a thousand churches. I didn't say a thousand Baptist churches, uh, but evangelical, you know, uh, churches that will reach people for Christ and be in communities where people are yeah. that match not only the rapid growth, but the rapid decline. Uh, I, I totally agree with you living in this community now since 1991, uh, I just believe that we're that the that cultural Christianity has passed to a new phase, and, uh, and and people don't even know what we offer. And as long as we're looking in the mirror, well, they're not going to know. You know, they're not going to know uh, what it is. And I, and I pray for a thousand churches. I really do. And that may not be enough in in the metro. I'm talking about the metro area, and uh, I know a lot of churches. Uh, a lot of people have tried to start churches and. And a lot of people have started churches, and that's great. In fact, you know, we're trying to do one now. And somebody said, I want to say two things about that. First of all, somebody said, well, what if somebody comes out where we're going to try to go? I said, well, praise God. You know, I hope five, ten people come out there because there's, you know, there's going to be thousands of people. And you, mean church, you mean churches, churches yeah. yeah. Five uh, or ten more churches out there. Hey, in that this area, is the kingdom yeah. thing. I'm, I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, not everybody's going to choose us, right. you know, and so – 
you know, I think that was just, I think that was just really important to, to sort of get there. But the second thing, you said something about how much does it cost. Uh, we've been doing our, our little core group meetings, you know, for this church that we're going to plant. And, uh, you know, uh, so we kind of go through all the vision and everybody's excited and we're kind of talking in small groups and whatever else. <laughs> One guy in the back, a layman in the back said, yeah, this sounds really good. How much is this going to cost? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, we, we don't know yet. It depends on what we're, what we're looking at. He said, well, he, I mean, he wasn't against it. He was just, that was a number for him. He, he wasn't worried about, uh, vision. He, you yeah. know, how, how much yeah. we got, how much am I going to have to pay for this? Yeah. I think is what he was thinking. And, uh, interestingly enough, right after that, he, he wrote a nice check and, you know, he's in, but, but he, he wanted to know what, what is the cost, you know, going to be, I tried to take care of the benefits, you know, there are people out here, mm. there's no church like we are. Uh, the demographics match us and all these kind of things. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he said, yeah, well, what's going to cost? Preacher? Another, another aspect of the cost is what will it cost if we don't act? Yeah. yeah. What, what will be the cost if we don't step out and make these changes? If we don't transition, hmm. what will it cost us? I've got a haunting story about that. When, when I was in Richmond, Virginia, I was in a church, Literally at the corner of two dead end streets. Now, brother Randy, I, I wouldn't recommend anybody uh, plant a church at, at the corner of two dead end streets. One <laughs> one street ran in the James River, and one street ran in the woods. But uh, we had a church there, and and we were growing, and we really couldn't we really couldn't grow anymore where we were. We were in a community that was kind of landlocked between I ninety five and 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 whatever. And I got scared. I really did. I knew we needed to relocate and actually went around with some people, uh, Kenny Hart, you know, yeah. some of those people, Jack Huffman. We, we drove around and we imagined what it was going to be. And one day I was driving around and came to a kind of a crossroads. And, uh, uh, man, the Lord just said, right here, right here. And it's like, wow. Now, I'm, I'm 29 years old, right? I, I don't have enough leadership, you know, to fill a shoe, shoelace. And uh, I just really, really got afraid and mm-hmm. prayed about it and whatever else. And and a church came along, and uh, that that was prettier, and it was in a nicer location, and it was growing, and it was going to be a lot easier uh, to all do all of that. And I made the foolish decision of leaving. I, I did. And I watched the church really uh, shrivel up and die. And uh, it was years later when I was at Lifeway, I went back to uh, – the IMB for a meeting or something. And I was so, uh, I, that's been on, was on my mind for so long. I went back to that church, pulled in the back part of the parking, the old Sandy lot and pine trees. And I got on my knees and said, God, I just want, I want to repent for being, for being afraid of not pulling the trigger on this because not long after that, uh, or before that, before that time, I was with some of these friends in that church. And one of them said, you know, uh, you always said we should be right there. And, and I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why we didn't do that. Cause there were thousands now, thousands and thousands of people. And I just had to look at my friend and my brother and just say, well, that was my fault. Mm-hmm. And so what you, what will you lose by not doing it? I think is sometimes the larger question than, you know, how much does it cost to do this? And, um, uh, well, anyway, it, this has been good. I don't know if we've got everything. Uh, you, you obviously are so effective and so well-loved and thought of mm-hmm. uh, that God must have been in all these moves because all your churches, uh, 
hold you and Jeannie and your family in the highest esteem, just like we do. And uh, the churches in the Tennessee Baptist Convention, uh, I think it's pretty remarkable that uh, uh, for as long as you've been there and I've been here, uh, to not hear any criticism, uh, nothing but positive uh, comments on your leadership and what you've been able to do in uh, changing uh, the focus and the face of Tennessee Baptist, doing the building, doing all these things. Uh, we just really appreciate you, and uh, you, you probably know that, but Jeff and I and our yeah. families owe you a lot, and we appreciate you, and we're really uh, honored to have you as our guest today. Yeah, totally grateful. And I, just real quick before we kind of finish up, tell us uh, kind of what's on the agenda on your plate this year with Tennessee Baptist Mission Board and some of the things you're looking to get accomplished and excited about as you go forward. Mm. I'm, I'm excited about uh, some things that God has laid on our heart that uh, we'll be announcing a little bit later in the year. Um, I'm excited to get this, this building project behind us. It, it, while we've been able to maintain the schedule of everything else we needed to do, um, it's been pretty draining. It's been a process that started before I came. Mm. We finally sold the old building, 88,000 square feet, and went to a 32,000 square foot building. We transitioned our um, our mission organization to a leaner organization, uh, eliminating about 25 positions and dispersing our people to the field mm -hmm. uh, as much as possible. So our new church support center is what it's called, the old building was the Baptist Center, but we believe the center of all Baptist life is the local church. Mm. We're here to just serve the church and support the church, and that's what we are about. Um, I noticed you had a little extra help on this construction project. It looked like a grandson was out yeah. there with you a time or two. Davis move, had move, the hard hat on Moving time some or dirt, two. right? Yes, he was. Yeah, and so we'll be gathering as Tennessee Baptist uh, this year in... Which, First Baptist Hendersonville. Yeah, and so that'll be the Up middle Bruce the, Chesser. The middle Tennessee region this year. Yes, sir. We're in Gatlinburg last year or Seville Sevierville actually at the the convention center there that they have. It's a great place and good meetings. If you haven't made your reservations and on your calendar to be there, you need to do that. Uh you won't regret being there. It's a fantastic meeting. Uh where you'll get to hear not only great preaching, you'll be encouraged from Tennessee Baptist pastors all the way from, uh, we had national personalities as well last year that were really encouraging to us. Dr. Patterson was there and others. Uh, it was a fantastic group we've got, of meetings. We've got on, on uh, Sunday evening Bartholomew Orr, mm -hmm. one of our sharp, sharp uh, African-American pastors, is going to be preaching on Sunday night at a special just worship time on Sunday evening. And then uh, on great lineup of pastors coming on on uh, Monday and on Tuesday afternoon, we've got a mega b breakout session. Eric Geiger is going to be leading one of those, and Ronnie Floyd is going to be coming to preach at that worship time on Tuesday afternoon. And Dr. Chesser is going to be preaching on Wednesday, uh, the convention message. That's great. If you guys don't know Bruce uh, Chesser, great pastor in Hendersonville, and if you don't know Ronnie Floyd, you need to come and hear uh, Brother Ronnie. He was our Southern Baptist Convention president for the last two years, did a fantastic job. So thanks for being here. It's just been great. And how can people get a hold of you, follow you on social media or anything like that that you do? Well, we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook. Um, Randy C. Davis um, at Tennessee Baptist Convention. And um, we, we look forward to connecting with as many as possible through Twitter and Facebook. 
Yeah, and guys, having said that, uh, he means it. So if you have a problem, you have a question, you need some help in ministry, contact the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. That's why they're here. They're serving us and doing a great job. Thanks for being with us today. Thank All right, you, folks, and we'll Jeff see you the next Jeff. time. Yes, sir, we'll see you next time, guys. Uh, be sure and tell your friends, 204060 Podcast. 